0: Welcome back for another episode of the Nomad Queen podcast. I am your host, Jamelia Greer. This podcast, as you all know, is about Black women who have decided to pursue international business and living abroad. We cover life abroad as a Black woman, motherhood abroad generally, and any type of women's issue, but just what it's like when you're outside of your home country. I am super excited to be bringing to you guys a conversation I had This week with Jenea Perdue. This is a collab episode because Jenea has her own podcast called Melanated Stamps. Now, Jenea is based in Shenzhen and she is living her best life there. She has been there since 2017. So I got in touch with her to find out what's really going on there and what has she learned on her journey within China. So let's hear what Janaya had to say. Janea, what is up? Welcome to the Nomad Queen podcast. And I also want to give a big shout out to the listeners of your podcast.
1: Yes. I get so excited when I like talk to other podcasts because it's so bizarre, like just talking to the air sometimes. So I'm so excited that we get to talk to two different kinds of airs.
0: Yes. And a collab episode, because we both have this very interesting China background, you being in China right now and me having lived there previously and just having left two years ago. Oh, yes.
1: I love that. So I've traveled uh, quite a bit. And when you meet someone who's, oh, I lived in China. And then I'm like,
0: say less. I already get it. And many of the people, I guess, that listen to both of our podcasts have no idea what it's like to, number one, live in China, but also to be Black in China. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful experience. I can gripe all day about the shenanigans, and there are shenanigans. One, there are shenanigans being Black anywhere in the world. And two, whenever you're an expat, you choose which shenanigans you want to deal with. Mm -hmm. Like the whole reason I left America was because of American malarkey. And the reason why
0: I'm still in China is because I can handle this malarkey. You know what I'm saying? It's shenanigans wherever you are. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you've got to choose what shenanigans you want. And I think for people that are interested in moving abroad, that's also a really important point. Because you can't be thinking you're going to be on the beach, like on the beach all day, drinking coconuts. And that's all. You don't have to work. No, you're not on vacation. You're working. You're living. You're interacting with people. You have bills to pay. You You have... responsibilities yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely you're just doing and
1: it's amazing to me like we are living literally doing exactly what we were doing in our home countries but in a place with soy sauce like that's the only difference and because of the soy sauce difference there's a litany of other things that have
0: changed but a lot of soy sauce (laughs)
1: yeah soy sauce everything
0: has soy sauce Mm -hmm. Hey, yeah. soy sauce is a staple. It is a food it is. by itself. The it's food group. It's true.
1: I went to the doctor when I was like fifteen and she was like, eighty-eight percent of black folks are lactose intolerant. And I was like, Really? And Asian folks, it's the same. We just don't we just don't have the gene. And that's fine. But I think Again, being in America, we're conditioned in in a way to just deal with it, even though it's not healthy for our bodies and for our minds. We're just like, Well, this is just the way that it is. But when I started to not have cheese and dairy, I was like, I mean, I'll take the soy sauce diet.
0: It's it's fine.
1: My little intestinal linings are much happier being over here.
0: I know you're being a little bit humble. I didn't want to call you Dr. Purdue and get you all very, oh my gosh, she's digging in deep. But no, seriously, I particularly like to highlight the professionalism of the Black women that I speak to. So tell us about your background. Don't be humble. Come on, let us know.
1: Uh, okay. I only tell people people when they ask. So since you asked, (laughs) I do have a doctorate degree. It's in my doctorate. I have an EDD, which is a doctorate in education. I earned my doctorate degree four days before my 27th birthday. So i was a young, smart one. And my first degree is elementary education. I have a master's in organizational communication and then my doctorate in education. My research for my last and final degree was figuring out how to get more Black American
0: students to study abroad when they're in college. Wait a minute, you've been holding back. You
1: Wait, I I offer a lot to the world, (laughs) more than just teaching the ABCs. Yeah. And so when I was studying, because when I was in the university, I ate cereal and didn't buy new clothes and stuff, but I was always studying abroad because I was obsessed. And I kept going on these trips and I would be the only one. And I was like, why am I the only one going to the?" Mexico and Argentina and Finland. That was the only one. And it's because the way that the abroad is marketed and because we don't see us traveling abroad. We don't see us abroad. And and we have to, we have, we, like the world belongs to us too. It does not just belong to white people. That gets in my nerves. And so everything that I do in life is to show people we can do this too. The whole reason I'm in China is because well, because I got tired of America, but also I, I want to show people that we, we can go to Asia. Asia is for us.
0: Yeah. That is so such, that's what I, I love it, man. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm over here like yeah. getting very inspired, like listening to you. And I'm honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I'm not just saying that because there are a lot more conversations today about Black travel. Like you have travel noir and there's a lot more conversation around it. But I would really like that conversation to be around not just travel to enjoy, but travel to educate and to mm. grow and to learn something out of it. Not just, yeah, I got these thongs on them on the beach. I, okay, fine. Good for you. You're doing that. But <laughs> we want to take yeah. it the next step and we want to educate and understand and take away something from the culture of the country that we're visiting or living in or what have you.
1: Exactly. And I'm not going to put rain on people's parades and things and all of that. There is a place and a market for this new thing of living my best life on the beach with these rented outfits that just make living abroad look fantastic. And I've been abroad for three years now. I have never looked like this on Instagram, ever. And I do that on purpose because... I look like a bum going to the grocery store and I get rained on by random little droplets that are disgusting. You just can't think about it. I don't know what the water <laughs> is. And that's my life. And then secondly, my critique on Black travel Instagram culture is that people look at this and it's beautiful, flawless photos and talking and blah blah blah, but it's still Inaccessible to the regular person, yeah. Because I would never be able, even as an expat abroad, would never be able to afford a hotel in San Jose ever. But what I can afford is a hostel in Thailand, because it's four dollars a night, and I can walk around and eat little curry noodle bowls for two dollars. And I'm going to tell all the black people, look, I ate for ten dollars today. I have a hostel for five dollars. And my plane ticket was $300 from my airport in Shenzhen. So you can afford it, but you got to go to Thailand and you got to live in a hostel. But that's okay. And eat sandwiches and talk to the locals. Yes. And that's important. Yes, but that's, but, a that's, for sure. but that's
0: still OK, though, right, because you're still there and you're still learning <laughs> and you're experiencing and you're growing and you cannot put a price tag on that. So I've traveled both ways. When I first started out in China, I was an English teacher when I was very backpacky and I did the hostels. I did. I used to like to kind of wander the streets at night and eat the shell call and on the side with the stools. And that was me. And now that I'm older and I have kids, I'm like, we are not doing that. But I guess my point is, if you can't do that luxury or higher end, then you can still have other types of travel and cultural experiences that are not so expensive, but you're still getting the benefits of learning. For
1: sure. And that's why I don't, like, there. there's any way that you want to exist in the world, there's a way to do it abroad. And so if you want to do the fancy thing, then go stay in the Hyatt, live your best life. But if you want to be the backpacker with her love that you were, or
0: that phrase that you have, then live your best life in a backpack. I'd like to get your perspective on something. One of the projects that I've recently started is called Nomad Queen. And it's about inspiring and educating Black women on international business and international living. We have courses, online courses, and and coaching that I provide. Do you think, because we talked about this idea of international travel sometimes being inaccessible, do you Mm -hmm. think that courses and coaching can help people? And if so, why or why not? Do you think it's maybe it's not enough for some people? What
1: I'm noticing right now with uh, coaching culture is it is absolutely necessary. And coaching has been around for as long as humans have been on Earth. I think it's our duty to, as humans, to make the world a better place. And so we do that by teaching other people our story. And that's all that coaching is doing. It's very helpful and if I would have had a coach moving over to Asia, it would have made the transition a lot better.
0: How did you decide, I'm going to China? Was it just something that you woke up one day and was like, I want to get out of the U.S.? Or was it like, I want to go here? Oh, so I was teaching hard to love kids in America, and I'm from Denver,
1: Colorado. Um, I was there for four years. My father's military. So I was used to international things, but I had never lived abroad or done anything like that. So I grew up in Kentucky, Georgia. Then I moved to Denver to live my best hipster white life for a while. And I got tired of it. And I told people that if Trump got in office, I was out because I did not feel as a Black woman that if there were enough people in America who thought he was a good idea to make my life not safe anymore. And then also I was teaching fourth grade with hard to love kids and teaching in that demographic is not my skill set. And I had a kid, her name is Kay. Her life is hard. And she can't, she cussed me out every other day. But this one day, she I took her chips away from her in math class and she curved out my ancestors, my future lineage, my hairline, uterus. She cussed out my career, wow. everything. And I I looked at her and I was like, I don't have to do this anymore. I don't. And I literally went home that day and Googled how to leave America and still make money. And all these jobs for trying to teach in English showed up. And I asked myself two questions. The first one I asked was, if I could do anything, if I could do only what I love, what would that be? And that was teaching and traveling the world. And then my second question was, what would happen if I put all of my resources and time and energy into pursuing those two things only, would I be willing to try that and see what would happen? And so I made a pivot switch. I got certified in CELTA, which is like the teaching English certification thing. I did that in Bulgaria. I didn't even know Bulgaria was a country, but I found it and got certified and did my little trip in my backpack for nine weeks in Europe because I had to chill for a minute and then left for China two months later. Yeah, I came here to escape and it's been a wonderful escape. It's been so healing and I came here to disappear and I was able to do that in China, but it was not and still is not like my preferred place to be. It's an incredibly difficult place to be, especially as a Black woman. So hard. Everything here is so hard, but also there is an incredible amount of opportunity here for Black women. If you know how to play your cards well, you can, and I know people who are doing extremely well here, and it's incredible to watch, and that was something I did not get to see in the States. So it's great, but also it's hard. It's very hard.
0: I spoke about in, in my first episode, Meet the Host, about how when I first started out in China, there was something that I really loved about it. And it was connection with the people at the time I was teaching. And my students were like one or two years younger than me. So mm-hmm. I felt we met, we were friends and they showed me their culture and we spoke Chinese and so on and so forth. And then I, I had other relationships that were also very good. But I also did sense when I left right before COVID, that that had changed. We're <laughs> I mean, not the same China as 20 years ago, girl. Okay, let's <laughs> <Like>. record stop. <laughs> not at all. Just, yeah, we're, we're not doing that. And it's still very, I think, very shocking that the amount of change that the country has gone through in that period of time, and that it's still going through today. It is like this ever-evolving, changing beast. And you have pockets that are one way and then pockets that are another way where you know where you're talking about wealth and you have millionaires and billionaires that live in China and then you have those that are not and do not have so it's just a really interesting place and I think you're, you're absolutely right it's very challenging but if you know how to if you know how to hustle if you know how to okay. do what you got to do then it is a lot of opportunity there there are people listening okay Jamelia, you're a lawyer. She's a PhD. She's doing research. She's got this great background in education. You guys were able to do it because of that. What about me? If somebody's listening and they want to make a transition and transform their life in that way, but they don't have those type of skills, what would you say to them? Oh, that's such a good question. Let me think about it.
1: Okay, first. Every human being has a sellable skill. Every human being. Finding people who are going to give you money for that sellable skill. I still don't know how to do that, but I'm learning. Number two, consider abroad options, especially as Black people in America. Life, and I look at it all the time and I tell people, get out. America does not want us there. And it's sad. Mm-hmm. And it's a reality that a lot of folks, it's almost like a, it's a Black folks in America. We have a trauma bond where like it's like being being love with an abuser sort of thing like it's really bad and yeah. some people like that's their calling but also it doesn't have to be if you don't want it to be but you can leave we can leave but if that's not if you're not ready to make that um transition fine live your best life where you are and take an assessment and ask yourself those two questions that i ask myself if i could only do those two things or if i could only do what i love what are those things and then two what would happen if I put everything that uh, uh, everything that I am and everything that I have into those two or three things and try it and see what happens? Third thing is you don't need to have a fancy pants lawyer degree. You, you don't need um, a PhD, a doctor degree, specifically to. Oh, what happened? Are you so as a as an American? the asset of being an English speaker, we don't realize how useful that is to literally the rest of the world. Being an English speaker, it's because of whiteness, not being anti-white people, but the systematic, the, the structure of people with white skin being on top and having so much privilege, that is whiteness. And then also when you are at the top, of a structure, not advocating for those people that you know or choosing not to see under you that is perpetuating whiteness. So it's not white people. and I don't want to be clear about that. It is the structure of how this whole thing works. With that being said, English is um, spreading it uh, around the world and it being the academic language going with the business is whiteness. However, use that skill to grow your life as a black and brown person or as a white person in a way that is sustainable and equitable. And that's what I do. So anywhere that I go, I will always have an an English school. Somebody come in my living room, I'm going to teach y'all some ABCs or the sentence structure because that's that's what I can do. And anyone can do that. It is a lot easier than what people think. And that's something that I want to tell people is I will tell you guys how to open your own English store takes three days and you can be in a lucrative position within six or eight months.
0: Yeah. You have dropped so many gems. The point about everyone having a skill or a talent and whether you're able to identify it or to recognize it and then sell it, it's a totally different thing. But the baseline fact is everyone has a talent or skill. That's just a truth on its own that people need to stop and let that sink in. Because there's somebody listening that's, but not me. Yes, you. Yes, you. you yes, you. Have a, yes, you have a skill. And yes, you do. As you just said, the first one that you can use to monetize is the fact that you speak English. And just because you're in the States and it's not seen as a skill doesn't mean that once you leave the U.S., that it wouldn't be seen as a skill. It's actually the opposite. It is a skill and you can sell it mm-hmm. and you can earn money from it. And I think that psychological shift is
1: crucial for our own freedom as, as a people. And they're doing that about, it, and they've been doing this for years. Yeah,
0: so I'm learning That's from so them. so true. I, yes. mm-hmm. I can't think of many other people in my family that was like, I'm gonna start my own business. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna start my own business. Everything was very much you go to school, you get a job, you go to work, you come home and you sit your ass down. That's it. You come home literally. and you sit your ass down. You're happy with that and that's it. Don't ask for anything else, right? My father always used to tell me I'd be upset about something like, Dad, I'm upset. He'd be like, What's wrong with you? You have a job? Yes. You have a roof over your head? Yes. You have food to eat? Yes. Okay. Then sit down and shut up. And that, literally. And that was literally what I was taught. And it's funny you mentioned that because I watched him struggle so much in, as you call it, like this institution of whiteness in the U.S. And mm-hmm. it was suffocating to him. Mm-hmm. His whole life, he was an expert chef that never got the recognition that he deserved just because he was a black man. He would work jobs and then new people would come in and he would train them and they would be his boss. That was like his life story, like all the time. So yeah. this idea of being able to say, no, I'm going to branch out and do this on my own. I
1: think for you, I want to hear a little bit more about your story. So like you said you've been here for
0: a minute. I've lived in Dalian. I've lived in Shanghai. And my experience has been really to... To focus on getting the kids educated, getting them fluent in Chinese, keep them grounded so that they're not totally in this expat bubble. And I failed at times. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. At times, I was the one on the Instagram at the Hyatt, okay? (laughs) But we balance it out. So it's been an interesting journey, and particularly with the four Mm -hmm. kids. So as I mentioned, my husband's Serbian. So our two uh, daughters are half Serbian. And my first husband was Chinese. My two older boys are half Chinese. and We funk mix uh, all of this stuff and we just, whatever country we're in, and it just becomes ours. I, I think a lot of women, and that's another thing that many women probably are afraid to do something like this if they do have children. Because they feel like, oh, it's one thing if I go overseas and I run out of cash, but I've got these kids to feed, that's not right.
1: Yeah, I'm no man, no kid's life right now, which is wonderful. I didn't, I grew up in pretty conservative religious situation and I am jaded, it would be a really good. I give it a side eye. And so I think <laughs> jaded and side eye, that's where I'm at right now. And I did not plan to be single this long, really, but also I'm realize like, When I My first session with my therapist was 36 hours before I got on the plane to China. And I was talking to her about my life. And she goes, you've accomplished everything you've wanted in life, but you're not married. And you say that you want to be married. But if you say you want something, you always get it. It Sounds to me like you don't want to get married. And I was like, take my money. That's exactly right. And so I and so thinking about it, it was great. That was within 10 minutes. It was insane. How do these people do it? I don't know. God, If you make another one, it's fine. I think that for me as an older single person, one, and older being like, I'm in my 30s. And in the culture that I grew up in, like I grew up in Kentucky and I went to four weddings with a guy with 19. So like for me to be 30, I'm 34, it's just I'm just so old.
0: But one I've learned in therapy. You're a spring chicken our last point what what would you say as just the final highlight to the listeners one
1: know that you have options whether you're black brown or white you have a choice to live the life you're currently living or to do something else so much of the trauma that we have in life we are conditioned or convinced that We must live the way that we are right now, and that's just not true. Some of us may have to jump a little bit higher over the fence to get to the next place, but try. Second thing, when I was talking to a girlfriend of mine about this a few days ago, do not ever be afraid of dumpster fires, I know in my life, like when I bought my school, a complete dumpster fire. And I would just watch it burn and be like, wow, this is really bad. <laughs> oh, no. And that's okay. I think when I was when I was younger and planning out my future and all of this, the goal was to be perfect in every way and to avoid dumpster fires. And that's not realistic. Your life is going to blow up in your face. And you are going to yes. make it. You're going to make it. And if we try to tiptoe around all the dumpster fires, you miss out on the adventure and the story-making part. So when I share a story, when you share a story, the benefit and the beauty of life is when someone listens to our story and they become a better person. It's so powerful. So one, share the Malarkey show, share the joy. I'll be the first one to tell you that the noodles over here and the baoza and the food delicious but also it is hard to be here in China. it is worth worried. it it is
0: worth it but is it is it is it worth also it though hard. for the baoza it,
1: it is hard. delicious yeah, it is i came here for the dumplings i will not lie chinese people they're always like why did you come here why did you come here to china for us and to eat y'all's food is delicious
0: yeah <laughs> it's so tasty oh my gosh i have to i just gotta share with you i took my mom to beijing Like 10 something years ago, I was pregnant with my second son and we had chitlins in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. Don't you know, my mom was like, these are the best chitlins I ever had. Actually, I didn't eat the chitlins. She did. I just want to say that. But yeah, she was converted from that point on. She was like, remember that time? So every, every six months, she'd be like, remember those chitlins in Beijing? Delicious.
1: Yes. I support everyone who does because they don't waste food. I eat chicken breast and I will give everyone my I'm not doing it, but yeah, yeah. B is delicious. For those folks who are abroad, I feel like there's two different types of ways to be abroad. One is to be a McDonald's consumer and the other one is to live with the local people. Be present where you are and you will transition a lot better and have less PTSD. So I live with the Chinese people. I do the Chinese thing. I do the Chinese grocery store. I do the Chinese thing. I'm completely illiterate. And that's another thing. You do not need to speak the language in order to to live a life. I know 15 words, but I run a business here. So, like, you can do it. It's very difficult, but it's possible. But live in your country. Live truly and be present here. Because it's that's the whole reason you left. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. You're in Singapore, so it's a little different. But, like, people who come to a new country, and I've traveled all over the world, so I know... The, the people are the ways that people travel are the same, or there's tendencies that are the same around the world. But like for someone who to leave America and go somewhere to eat at Hard Rock Cafe and McDonald's, and go to Walmart and buy a trinket that's made in China, knowing good and well you're in Spain, and then come back, take what? Why did you even leave? Did you even see Spain? Yeah. You didn't. Did you drink the orange juice? Did you eat the tapas? No, you went to Hard Rock Cafe. That's not traveling. That's bringing America yeah. with you. I am very pro-therapy. In this relationship. And I tell everyone, especially if you're a black brown person, you owe it to yourself to have someone listen to you yeah. and give you an unbiased opinion about your life. And to look at yourself, it's an incredibly hard journey, but a lot of people are like, wow, you are so grounded. Yes, because I talk to my therapist and pay her whole mortgage every other week. Yes. And so it's worth it. Get a therapist that is culturally relevant, who understands, who is, if you have gone through trauma, who is trauma informed, set your standard and don't apologize for it. This is just what I do. And I'm we're not talking about, we're not, I'm not compromising on things that are important to me. I'm not. And I've learned how to I'm learning how to do that in dating and I'm learning how to do that with running a business, being an entrepreneur, being black, being someone who is neurodiverse or whatever you want to call it these days. Someone who, you know, I don't do clubs, I don't do parties and I'm I'm not complaining. Like, I just don't. And saying no. Yeah. And that was a full sentence. Just no. Mm -mm. Don't talk to me like that. Don't think that way about me. I'm not going to be available whenever you need me to be available. It's a no. Mm-hmm. And so learning how to do that is super important. So those would be my takeaways, I think, for people who are listening.
0: Those are all really great skills. Thank you for the word, Dr. Purdue, <laughs> for the day. <laughs> away, I, I, I think one thing that I, I would just kind of piggyback on what you said is living in the present and where you are now. Even as someone who has moved from country to country, I think we have a tendency to put rose-colored glasses on, as they say, and to look at other places like, oh, it would be so nice to be here. Where I am now is where I'm supposed to be. And until circumstances change or whatever, I need to really be here, be present, and take what I can from this experience. And whether I use that for another destination, that's fine. But while I'm here, I need to be present and to be grateful and to have that yeah. gratitude every day. Wow. It, it has been a pleasure speaking to you and having you on the show. And I guess it's our collab episode, so it's not really just my show. You will have this uh, on your show as well.
1: And thank you so much for the chance to chat. OK, so for me, I have two platforms and those are where my soapboxes are. One of them is melanated stamps, and that's just my everyday life being abroad. And then I do interview folks and chat with people all around the world who are doing dope things changing the world in their little corners. My focus on that is with Black and brown voices, but also if there are white people, they need to be talking about, like, I only interview white folks who are actively engaging in anti-racism and anti-whiteness in their uh, profession and their daily life. My other one is my newest one, which is Holy Coitus, and it's H-E-A-U-X, holy. And that's basically where I chat with folks who are reclaiming their sexual voice and agency. And so I am now actively dating, but I didn't for, like, my whole life. And so, like, with my own therapy journey and then connecting with folks who have also are. figure out how to be themselves whether they're having sex or not that's and i'm always looking for guests for both of those podcasts and you can follow my work and my opinions on instagram my expertise is in global citizenship anti-whiteness anti-racism black thoughts womanism what else do i know a lot about traveling abroad traveling on a budget because i stay poor but i stay traveling and I'm also going to be launching a new venture at Post China, which is going to be bringing the world to every kid's classroom and into every kid's home virtually, and um, doing that through the tenants of global citizenship. So more on that to come, and I'm super excited. If you're an educator or a mom or dad who's interested in collaborating or getting more more info to write to your kids about what the world looks like, stay tuned. So that's what I'm working on
0: right now. So exciting there. I'm sure that people are listening will will love to tune into that. And shoot, I would like to hear more about this sort of education piece that you have going on with bringing the world into the children's classrooms and the virtual aspect of that as a mother. It sounds very interesting. For me, Nomad Queen is all about international business and living for women, particularly for working moms or women that have children. And the point there is really to get you courses on how to move abroad with kids, how to manage schooling, and all of this stuff while you're abroad. There are virtual courses at nomadqueenacademy.com that you can check out. You really are in control of your own destiny, and you're building your life the way you want it based upon what you want. So that's our message. And I hope you guys check it out. You can find me on Instagram at nomadqueeninasia. I will pass, yeah. and I will see Fine. you, and I see you then. Maybe. Yeah, I'm, I'll go to Singapore. We'll meet. We'll meet in Singapore. You come here. You come here. Yes, hey, it's green lane. What are you talking about? It's green lane. You can come here with no quarantine, right? I have to check that but out. But back, yeah, we have a green lane probably. with China.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's fine leaving. Yes, I think about
0: leaving
1: every day. Mm.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's coming back. So, girl, you better get a flight I'm from gonna... here to another place. Get a flight from. Don't take it. <laughs> <By the way. laughs> mm. Yes. But we
1: will be in touch (laughs) for sure. You're cool and I'm cool
0: sometimes also.
1: So, yes.
0: Awesome. It's been a pleasure. And Yeah. yeah, thank you so much for this opportunity.